Welcome to my Latinx life. Join me as I journey to learn, educate, and highlight Latinx leaders in a comfortable setting similar to your mom's kitchen. We'll explore a variety of topics with guests and reoccurring hosts. I'm your host, Joe Ardondo, and this is my Latinx life. episode we're going to learn about me your host Jordando. everything that you may learn about me on the path but in one condensed kind of simple area to decide if you actually want to listen to this do you want to continue do you want to go on this journey with me you may not so i'm giving you an easy out or a quick way in so here you go my name is Jordando. i identify as a texan um anybody who is from texas i shouldn't say anybody most people from texas like to identify themselves as a Texan. That's something that we're very proud of. We have this great pioneering soul. Because at Amoso Tejano, we can trace my family lineage back to the mid-1700s in modern-day northern Mexico and Texas. I identify as Latinx and Latino as well, Hispanic, and I'm part of the LGBT community as a gay man living in the United States of America. And I have that privilege. I get to say that. I get to feel comfortable with that. I get to know that because of that and my family being here, that gives me a certain air of privilege and comfortability that not everybody gets. And because of that, I make sure that I'm say that I'm very proud of that. I come from a big gay family, so that's why I also feel comfortable with that term, and we'll talk about that in a little bit more. So I now live in the beautiful Pacific Northwest. More specifically, I now live in Seattle proper. I can say that people here don't like when you say you live in Seattle when you live in the burbs. I did live on both sides, the north end and the south end. Very different. If you are ever from here, you all know what that means. But I actually grew up in a small little town named Abilene, Texas, um, in West Texas. And my family's kind of been there for a long time, since about the 50s, 60s. And that's kind of our home. We're kind of, that's where everybody lives. I'm the one person in my immediate family that doesn't live probably within five to 10 miles of each other. All my siblings live very close to my parents, my grandparents, and we're just a big Mexican family on both sides of it. Um, I'm the oldest of four siblings. I have uh, two sisters and a brother, and it's boy, girl, boy, girl, so that's kind of fun. I'm also the only one in my family who doesn't have children, which is perfectly okay, Um, even though I do want them at some point in my life. um, I just don't have them. I have, let's see, one, two nephews, and one, two, three nieces, and I have a nephew on the way. Um, So I have this really great immediate family. As I said, I grew up in a really cool LGBT kind of family where I had pioneering people in my family that made it much easier for me to feel more comfortable with my sexuality and that being that it was okay I so I have an uncle who's gay I have multiple cousins and aunts and uncles that are also gay my grandmother had cousins who were drag queens now I don't know if we have anybody who's openly trans in our family but I'm sure that they're there somewhere and looking back in our family tree there was probably way more gay people than we'd like to talk about various aunts and uncles who always just lived alone or had a roommate which is a little suspicious in my view but We'll explore that at another time. I have a really group, great group of friends back home, though most of them are not Latino or Latinx. Um, I never felt as uncomfortable there because everybody adapts to the Latino lifestyle, the Tejano lifestyle in West Texas, just because it's there, it's inevitable. Now, I'm not going to say there wasn't racist people. That's, that's true, there is. Um, but you just learn to avoid them and you don't have to be friends with them. That's the great thing about being an adult, about growing up. You learn who you do and don't want to be friends with, and that's fine. So coming to the Pacific Northwest was an interesting choice. That was in 2015. So I've been in Seattle now for the Seattle area, the Puget Sound, for about five years now. And it was a crazy adventure. I was at a point in my career where I was bored and I was tired and I needed something new. I had an opportunity to go to the East Coast. Um, 
I had a buddy at the time who had an offer to work here in the Pacific Northwest and, and also had an offer over in the Boston area. And I had another friend who was moving to Kansas City, Missouri. And they both kind of said like, hey, maybe you should come and try it here. I knew I didn't want to be in Kansas City. Sorry, Kim, if you're listening to this. Just couldn't be in a landlocked place like that. And that was right after Boston got like 100 inches of snow one winter. And I just knew I couldn't bury it out of the snow. So my buddy said, let's then go to Seattle, and if we don't like it, we can move, and let's try it. He just wanted to have a friend um, that was around. He was straight, so it was nothing sexual. It was just purely a friendship that really worked out well for me. I moved to the Pacific Northwest. He told me I didn't have to pay bills or anything. I could just live here until I really wanted to get back to work. The ideal place was I was going to be off for about six to nine months. I had a really good friend, uh, Deanna, who was getting married that year, and I knew I'd be going back and forth to help her with the wedding, and because of that, I didn't want to tie myself down. And about two, three weeks in, I got super bored. I had worked my whole life um, since I was 17. Like, that was just a weird adventure to not be doing anything. I didn't know have any friends. I didn't know anybody here. I'd never been to the Pacific Northwest. I'd been, the farthest west I'd really been was California. But yeah, I knew nobody here. I didn't have friends or anything like that, so it was weird. Um, so I went back to work. And because of that, I came here and I stayed and it felt very comfortable and I started building myself a community. And because of that, that's really why I've stayed. Um, After that first year, we continued living together, me and my roommate. And then about a little later, we decided it wasn't working out for us. So I was going to move out. I didn't know where I was going to go. Was I going to move back to Texas? Was I going to stay here in the Pacific Northwest? It was all very quick. I gave myself one week and I said, it's either going to work out or it's not going to work out. And I knew I had a place to go back to in Texas. I had family. I had friends. I knew that they would perfectly feel okay with me coming home. Many of them didn't think I would even last as long as I did at that point. Most of them had given me just a couple months or weeks and really I stayed that first year to just stick it to all of them and tell them I was gonna stay here and I really learned to love it now don't get me wrong I do hate the weather during the winter as most people here do but the summers and the spring and the early fall there's nothing like a pacific northwest summer like it's gorgeous and I wouldn't trade it for most things it's just beautiful so outdoorsy um you'll learn that though I don't physically look like I love being outdoors um it is something I do enjoy I love being at the park I love being at the beach I love camping slash glamping as most people would call it as I'm not a real backpacker I'm not going to be trying to carry everything I want in I'm going to keep my comfortability because that is a privilege and a luxury and I'm not giving that part up I also built some really great friend relationships here in a really amazing different vast diverse type of community that I didn't have back in Texas. Not that I was upset with my community and my friends in Texas. It was just different. And it allowed me to be more of myself. I felt more comfortable with my sexuality. I felt more comfortable with who I was as a person, everything. There was just this understanding and I felt comfortable. And I think that that's really what kept me here is I had these friend groups and they all kind of melded at points and it was okay. Like they were okay being different like there wasn't this need to bring everybody together but there was also this need to felt comfortable if they were together and that was perfectly fine with me so yeah that's why i'm still here five years later i keep talking about that there's other parts of my journey and we'll explore those later on in different episodes about where i want to go next what i want to actually do and is the pacific northwest my forever home um i know that it's going to be really hard to ever imagine myself going back to abilene though i have friends and family there and that will always be home and that's where my heart is and that's okay but i don't think i could ever live there again unless i was really settling down and I needed to be there for something, I don't think I would. I am perfectly okay not being there. Kind of works for me. Yeah. So why am I making this podcast? So this podcasting idea has 
been on my bucket list. I have a bucket list. Um, it's not something that I want to all do at the end of my life. I've said I wanted to do this as a slow and steady working through. I didn't want to be 60 or 70 trying to work through my bucket list. I never imagined myself actually retiring. I just always imagined myself kind of working until I really couldn't work no more or working in a part-time capacity, volunteering, things like that. Just so that you know, that's kind of how I got started in my career. So yeah, we'll explore that too. And then good old COVID-19 reared its head up here in 2020 and really put a damper and a change on our lives. And because of that, I adapted really well. I was really worried that that wasn't gonna happen, but it did. And because of that, I'm now working on this. I had time to really explore what making a podcast looked like, exploring what kind of equipment I needed, what type of skills I needed. Did I actually have these skills to do this with something that I asked myself? Was this uh, something that I could maintain once we started transitioning to our new lifestyle? As you'll learn, I don't know if we'll ever go back to normal, but we'll have this new lifestyle. And I think that this is something that I could maintain and something that could be really healthy for me mentally to allow myself to work through these processes. And because of the adapting, it worked out really well. And it was kind of an interesting set of skills I wanted to learn. Like this is something that I didn't imagine I could do. And if you, as you get to know me, you'll learn that speaking and public speaking is really terrifying for me, but this doesn't seem as scary for some reason. I'm just talking to myself, which I do already. So it's not that weird. Even though I like talking and visiting with people, public speaking terrifies me. I had a horrible stutter growing up. I had a, that speech impediment. I didn't really speak much before I was five because I was the oldest on both sides of my family. I didn't have the need to talk. I just pointed. And then when I started talking, I did. I had a horrible stutter. And I remember that stutter really until I was like 13 or 14. And I kind of grew out of it, but sometimes it comes back and it rears its head. And I just really hate being in front of crowds. It's never been my comfortable spot. Though I tend to be the person in my groups that like make a lot of the decisions and help come up with ideas and things like that. I don't like being the center of attention. Like that is not something I feel comfortable with. But in the last five years, I've become more and more comfortable with understanding that that is my skill set and that I need to embrace it and I need to allow it to grow and just feel natural. And just because it's not what I enjoy doesn't mean I shouldn't be doing it. Um, it just means that I have to work at it. And that's what a good leader does. A lot of this conversations will be about leadership and about who we are as people and how we evolve and how we grow in relationships. We'll explore so many crazy different topics. Um, so I currently work in healthcare and just so that it gets out there, it's gonna be very easy to figure it out. I do work for a pediatric um, hospital system in the Pacific Northwest in Seattle. You'll be able to figure that out. And because of that, I don't represent the institution and I don't speak for them and I don't, their views and my views will not always align and that's okay. But there are very finite things that are very important to both of us that allow me to work there and feel comfortable working there. But I don't represent them and I don't speak for them. So things that we discuss on this podcast may not always align with their views and things like that. I do work on the non-clinical side of things now and always have. I'm not clinical by any training, but I do currently work in the technical kind of database side processes and things like that. Um, I have a really great setup. I'm not going to lie. I get to come and go as I need to. I make my own schedule. I get working remotely was a part of my life even before COVID-19. So this kind of helped me adapt a little bit easier. But yeah, that's what it was. I also chair our Hispanic and Latino ERG, our employer resource group at our institution, which has opened tons of doors and really allowed me to build this amazing community here in the Pacific Northwest from being part of different community groups, interacting with different community groups, inter being introduced and getting to interact with people in the community that are activists and builders and poets and artists and community leaders and people that sometimes I don't imagine that I would have had the opportunity to be have in Texas, though there's a ton of Latino leaders everywhere. The activism is just so different there compared to here. Not that one's better over the other. It's just different. And I don't think I would have had that there. And I think that that's 
one of the big pieces that have kept me here. I do lots of community work. I'm very lucky because of that. My ERG and my community work meld very closely together. I sit on a board of directors for a local Latinx um, LGBT group called Somos Seattle, which is a really great opportunity. And because of that, I've made some really great friends in the LGBT community and in the undocumented community and learning more about that learning more about trans rights. I get to work with a lot of really great activists and community leaders and things like that. I also get to work with a lot of ERG leaders in the community from various different companies and organizations. And it's kind of great because we can bounce ideas off of each other. We get to learn about each other. We all respect each other. And we and during this COVID-19, we've kind of built this really cool relationship that I see them more and more every day as friends and colleagues, even though we don't technically all work together. We do very similar work. And because of that, we can learn from each other and we build off of each other and I definitely feel like I'm I am the baby of the group and because of that they have a lot of wisdom wisdom to get me and by no means am I young I'm 31 years old so it's not like I'm really the baby of the group but it does like they really see me as this person and it's not that I'm just there because I have to be there so that's kind of fun and because of that I'm a people united there's a lot of times that I don't recognize that one of the things that I did was that I always brought people together being being engaged bringing people together from different backgrounds that was something that I did really well but I didn't ever think about it as something like I loved always entertaining I loved having people over I loved having um my friends come over for a party on the weekends i loved hosting i used to host christmas and it was all me like i love that my family just showed up and it was a laid-back kind of comfortable atmosphere even when i first moved here the first couple of times i went back we still had this very laid-back kind of community um where we hosted events as a family and we'll talk about that also yeah my family has this really kind of fun set up back home where it's not just my immediate family i have distant family i have people who are not technically blood related but i consider them my family because we spend holidays and there's some of them that i spend more holidays and time with than i do with my own personal family so that's kind of interesting so yeah that's who i am i'm people united i bring people together and that's really what made me push me to even do this podcast is i recognized that that was a skill of mine that i needed to embrace and really engage with now, what can you expect to hear here on my Latinx life? We're gonna talk about a variety of different topics, passion projects, community movements, intersectionality, culture, history, and mental health, all with a leadership lens. But there's gonna be like some really finite type of topics that we're gonna discuss and we're gonna discover and they're gonna kind of seem weird. Like, why are we discussing these? Does this really have anything to do with my Latinx life? What is that format? And because of that, I don't really know what that format is gonna be. A lot of it will be voiced around being a Latinx leader at all different levels. You don't need a crazy title you don't need to be at the center of something um passion projects as i said needs and desires in the community will be a really big part of it within mental health we're going to talk about mindfulness in the community intersectionality because we are not just one thing we are being latino so many of us are just this huge mix of people like yes i identify as tejano but that also means that i have this big piece of my indigenous side i have this mix of whiteness in my family because that is part of the latino culture is colorism and mixing with our natural european roots to build lighter us that's a big part of it. We're going to look at intersectionality from Afro-Latino-ness, LGBT-ness, and everything in between there. We're going to talk about cultural memories. We're going to talk about memories in whole. We're going to talk about histories. We're going to explore small businesses and large businesses. What does it mean to work for one of them over the other? We're going to look at 
what it means to be Latino and Latina and Latinx in the nonprofit and the corporate cultures. We're going to talk about ERGs, which are employee resource groups, and why that is really important to my work. We're also going to talk about really fun kind of subculture things like lowriders and tattoos and the cannabis industry and um, people of color communities. We're going to talk about people of color communities, some of our guests, and we'll be from various different types of people of color communities. We'll also probably have some white people on here who are allies or doing work in the community and have made a conscious effort to be there. One of the things that you'll learn about me is at some point I want to live in a smaller house, making a more impactful, meaningful lifestyle and making sure that I do it in a really meaningful way. Like I want to live in a van. That's really some a goal I have in the next couple years. Is, and that means building my own van and living in it. And will this podcast go with me? And what does that look like? One of the goals is I have all these different ideas. Like maybe there are going to be things that will work and won't work. And that's really where I'm going to ask for your feedback. We're going to talk a lot about healthcare. That is a huge part of my life. It's not something that I ever envisioned that I would be doing. Delve more into that. But I really envision that I'd be way more creative and I would work either in the arts as an interior designing that was really a big passion of mine but I also loved theater I was a weird theater kid in high school and I wasn't like the weird theater kid who was like the actor I was like the even weirder theater kid who did the behind the scenes things and I wasn't even working on sets and props and things like that like I was doing costumes and like yeah understanding like how I was not as comfortable with my sexuality but I was doing things like that that's interesting to me also but we're also going to talk about in healthcare what it means and how we don't get healthcare that we need here in the United States and how that's very different for people of color communities. We're going to talk about things like brujaria and voodoo and santaria and things like that and how that plays into our culture and our healthcare needs and things like that. But because of that, we're going to also talk about things like the importance of food and how that brings community together. Like that will be such a large part of this podcast because so much of our lives are built around food and community gatherings. And right now our communities are suffering because of COVID-19. We can't have those interactions. We can't be around the ones that we love and it's really becoming a struggle. Yeah, we're going to talk about all different types of topics. And if you have a topic that you want to hear about or you think that I may have some insight into or you want to explore more of, please always just reach out. Um, You can find me on all the different platforms. We'll talk about that. We're on Instagram, Twitter. We have a website. Who knows what else will come along? So yeah, Um, we'll have different guests sometimes, but we also may have reoccurring hosts. Why I thought about having a co-host join me for all these episodes. This podcast is really an exploration of me. Um, and that's why it's called My Latinx Life. But I do want to have this great little plethora of reoccurring hosts that are people in my life that I really enjoy and get to work with and that I consider friends and colleagues and people that I admire, that they'll come back for reoccurring segments, people that I get to have conversations with on a regular basis about specific topics and things like that or topics that they just find enjoyable. They'll come on and we'll have conversations about it. So you'll get to know some of my reoccurring guests over time and things like that. And this whole podcast will be very fluid. It's going to change a little bit here and there and it's going to morph because that's life. Things change and we have to learn to adapt. And I think that a lot of times for Latinos and Latinas and Latinx people, that's just part of who we are. We've learned to adapt. Many people have come from other countries to the United States and they've had to learn to adapt to our culture. We've had to learn to adapt to white culture and making sure that we survive here. We'll talk about that, survival. And because of that, we're going to go over all kinds of weird terms. We're going to talk about what it means to be undocumented versus documented. Though that seems very straightforward, that may not make sense to everybody. We're going to talk about terms like Chicano, Chicana, and Chicanx and why I don't personally identify with those terms, I get it. Like those are terms that are very important to people and I see it as a regional thing. Like growing up in Texas, 
if you were Chicano, it had this really negative connotation. But being here on the West Coast and I now have this great variety of friends that are from the West Coast, they're like, that's a really a sense of pride for them. And I get it now. Like, I, I see what it means. It's I use the word Tejano. That was a weird term for a lot of people because they never really identified with it because they're not from Texas. But for me, that was who I was. Um, I'm okay with the term Hispanic, though I understand it has a really negative connotation sometimes for some people because it is just a term made up by the U.S. government to group a group of people into a certain category because they didn't know where to put us and we didn't know where to put ourselves and we were so we're so much more than just that term it has this weird mix to it but i never really had a negative connotation with it and we're gonna use the term latino and latina intermittently throughout the conversations and we'll also use the term latinx uh my friend ray corona who is the founder and executive director of somos seattle he explained it in a really beautiful way and this is paraphrasing it if you or the organization you represent are not directly working with lgbt non non-binary people of latino descent there's no reason to use the term latinx because that's not your community that's not who you serve that's not what you're working with but if you do you should really embrace it and you should look and decide how you want to use that within your organization and because of that that's why i chose my latinx life because i do i get to embrace my lgbtness and my latinidad to say like this is who i am and i'm okay with being latino and i'm okay with being latinx and not everybody feels comfortable with those terms because it's cultural it's generational it's what do you feel comfortable with? And we'll discuss that and we'll allow people to give their thoughts on that. And that's perfectly fine. You don't have to feel comfortable with it, but I do appreciate that if you're here, like you're at least open to the idea and that's okay. There will be lots of collaboration. Um, That's a big part of my life, collaborating with people, collaborating with ideas and just moving forward. I always will embrace that if you want to reach out, please do Um, shoot me an email at mylatinxlife at gmail.com. You can hit me up on Twitter. You can hit me up on Instagram. There will be a contact me page on our website, though I know I can't get to everybody, but there will be a large opportunity that I can. I also know that a lot of people listening are people and friends of mine that are just here to support me, and I'm really lucky that I have that opportunity. And so if that's you, thank you. Um, And if that's not you, I thank you also because you actively came out and found me. And yeah, that's my Latinx life. I'm really excited to see where this goes, what's going to come of it, and who knows? Things may change, this may work out, and maybe this will become my new life, but I do want to explore this, and I do want to make a conscious effort to be here. I want to listen. I want to have open discussions. I want to bring those people together, and I want to give people a platform to really look at Latinx leaders in our community. So moving forward, I'm really excited, and let's see what happens. Thanks for joining me on this episode. You can follow me on Instagram, Twitter, and my website, all under My Latinx Life. See you next time.